0: It's the Pete Callener Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callener is helping solve the world's problems one podcast
1: at a time, because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. What is going on? Welcome to the show, everybody. Thank you very much for listening. I appreciate it. And uh, thanks for making me part of your day. It's very simple to do that. You just click subscribe to the podcast, and then I join you wherever you go, whether you want me there or not. And um, I'm on your smartphone. I'm on your tablet. Um, Go to thepeetcalendorshow.com, and then I will appear everywhere. I'll be in your pocket all the time. It's not weird. Trust me. Thepeetcalendorshow.com. Also want to thank all the patrons that help make the show possible. Folks like Ruth, welcome. And... Barbara, Jonathan, Theo, Janet, Lori, Greg, and James, Matt, Lisa, Jolene, Becky. They all became patrons just by going to thepetecalendershow.com. And there's a link there at the top uh, for uh, exclusive content. That's what you get when you become a member, exclusive content, like our live streams on Thursdays. Um, All right. This is an issue near and dear to my heart. Actually, two issues on the show topic agenda today. Lower taxes. But uh, before we get to that, um, zipper merging. Do you know what the zipper merge is? It's only like the best way to merge. I have been driving now for 20 plus years. And um, I got to tell you, the merge is the thing that I see people have the most trouble with. And I think particularly... In construction zones, when roads go from two lanes down to one, particularly in highway situations, uh, there are a lot of people that uh, think they're doing the right thing by getting over early, but they're actually not doing the right thing by getting over early. This is also sometimes referred to as late merging, okay? Late mergers are not being jerks, okay? There is a bill, House Bill 740, in North Carolina in the legislature that would require drivers' ed to teach the zipper merge and establish the zipper merge as the rule of the road. Joining me now is State Representative Brian Turner. He is a Democratic representative from Buncombe County, and uh, welcome to the show. Uh, how are you?
2: I'm doing great, Pete. Thanks for having me on. It's uh, it's been a while, so I'm glad to be back
1: talking to you. Absolutely, I appreciate you making time. And uh, I saw this and uh, this bill, and I thought, finally, has it? Why is it taking this long? To, uh, to try to implement some legislation for the zipper merge. So first, let's explain what the zipper merge is. And just full disclosure, I'm a huge fan <laughs> of the zipper merge. And so I'm fully supportive of this bill. And so what is the zipper merge?
2: So the zipper merge, so think when you're driving down I-40 and there's construction and it goes from two lanes to one. Um, typically, there are a number of ways to do that lane reduction to keep traffic flowing. Um, Most of us who who grew up here in the South, we like to think of ourselves as being polite. And so we typically engage in what's known as an early merge, where everybody, as soon as they see that one lane is closed ahead, jumps over to the other lane. Uh, And then you end up with these massive backups, miles long. In fact, I just saw one uh, on on 40 down near Swannanoa uh, this weekend because they're doing some bridge work. And these these massive backups are, are created and then the zipper merge or the alternating merge is a is a different way of doing it where you fill both lanes and you use both lanes to the merge point and then you alternate like a zipper um and it's shown to reduce uh traffic backups by about 40 to 50% uh and that's information from the North Carolina State uh, Institute for uh a traffic education I think and safety um and so you know we think of the guy who's driving by in the empty lane as the jerk who's cutting in line when in reality they are the person who's doing it the right way Mm -hmm. the zipper way
1: which that is like blasphemy (laughs) to oh well (laughs) to a lot of people who hear you say that they're gonna say that's just not true
2: And then you end up with somebody, you know, typically somebody who's driving a semi will pull over and block that other lane Mm -hmm. to prevent people from using both lanes to their full capacity. Um, And they are just compounding the problem. And so when zipper merge is successfully done, uh, you basically, you know, you you improve travel times and you also uh, increase safety because you don't have those people zipping up and down those lanes and cutting in and everyone sort of understands and, you know, I'll say, Pete, in a state that is the the birthplace of NASCAR, um, <laughs> you know, if, you know, if, if you're not if you're not first, you're you're last. Right. <laughs> um, so, you know, trying to get people to shift to the mentality of like, if we all work together, we all get there faster together versus. No man, I'm getting in front of you, and there's no way in hell I'm
1: letting you in. Right. So maybe so, yeah, you're talking about a sea change in the culture, um, and so maybe maybe we look at it more like drafting. Maybe we could pitch it like that, like hey, it's kind of like drafting where you would get behind somebody and then you both succeed. Maybe that's the way to, to frame it in a pro NASCAR way. I don't know. Um, so, it, and I think it's important to recognize that th- that this zipper merge works. In a a heavy traffic scenario, because there are other scenarios where you mentioned like you're just driving down the road, light traffic, you see the sign, it says, you know, merge ahead, uh, you know, lane, uh, you know, is closed. And if there's plenty of room, then yeah, you can get over whenever you want to, there's really no downside or, or benefit, right? You can, you can get over whenever you want. This is really for like high traffic scenarios,
2: Exactly, exactly. When you start to see that backup occurring in one lane, uh, instead of just getting in line, that's when you shift over and start to fill that second lane. Um, But if you're moving around, if you're moving at, at, at regular speeds, or you know, just sort of, you know, slightly diminished speeds, you know, you can stick in one lane and and, and push on through. Yeah. Um, but you're right. It's, in the, it's those high traffic areas.
1: Right. Because that's usually the criticism. And I've done many shows on this and people fight me on it when they, and that's the scenario that they say, like, well, if I see the sign, I get over early and I just drive it and that's fine. And, you know, there's no problem. <laughs> well, okay. Well, if there's no traffic, then there is no problem. That's fine. This right. is for the traffic, uh, heavy, heavy congestion uh, scenario. Um. And then you do have, you mentioned the jerk that comes driving up the other lane. And so like my uh, my recommendation on that has always been if you're going to be the one in the right lane that's actually doing it correctly then do it slowly. I think you know if you yeah. just kind of crawl up and you just you know don't don't floor it and try to zoom all the way to the front but if you just kind of roll up and you don't act aggressive I think maybe people would be a little bit more amenable I don't know. <laughs> I'm just
2: I, No, I think you're 100% because you know, you, if you if you go up slowly or at a steady pace, and that way also, if you do get some uh, <clears throat> irrational driver who wants to kind of swerve out yeah. to make you stop or something like that, you're in a better position to to adjust to that. But yeah, it's you know, and it's kind of one of those things where it's like you know, if everyone kind of just takes a breath, um, and and just you know, being, again being polite Southerners, you know, give some grace to each other. Uh, I think we get through a lot faster.
1: Well, and I've heard that very argument made that because of uh, the politeness, as you mentioned, like people get over earlier and they think that is the polite thing to do to sit in traffic and to cause the jam, (laughs) to cause the backup, that that's the polite thing to do. Um, And so I guess so so you got to get to the kids, I guess. Right. Like the new the people who are coming online as new drivers, you got to get to them to teach them how to do this first, I assume, right? This is where the future is.
2: Yeah, and this is, so the, so the bill So the bill does a couple of things. So one is uh, it adopts the, the, the zipper merge as one of the sort of official uh, methods of yielding right of way during a merge. Um, it, which also then in turn makes it for the person that wants to block the open lane, it actually makes that a, a ticketable offense for blocking the free flow of traffic. Um, just the same like you could ticket somebody if they just decide to park their car in the middle of Patton Avenue. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it also incorporates uh, the zipper merge uh, method into driver's ed. Um, and so that way we will hopefully raise a new generation of folks who see zipper merge as the way to do it. Um, you know, I didn't learn it when I was in driver's ed, but I mean, that's been a couple of years. So, <laughs> right. but uh, but yeah, if we start them early, and I can tell you right now, my daughter who just turned 14, she knows about zipper merge, um, but then she's the one that's sitting in the passenger side kind of shields her face right. when we're driving up. <laughs> we're driving up because she doesn't want to see everybody shooting her, um, I'd say, uh, single finger waves right all the time
1: <laughs> so doesn't this though rely on and for, for folks who are unaware so the merge would occur like wherever the cones are on the uh, on the lanes as it starts you know uh, uh, merging you in with these traffic cones that's where you would, that would be the merge point point. and it, it does make sense when you get to that point and everybody recognizes it as the merge point then people do actually take turns right they go one after the other especially if there's a public education campaign about this that this is the way it's supposed to be done. But one of the uh, criticisms of the idea is always, and I hear it every time I discuss it, which is that uh, you're assuming that people are going to implement it correctly, that you're assuming that people are not going to be jerks, and that's too big of an assumption. Do you have a response for that?
2: Well, and and part of this effort, you know, if if this is able to become law, is you know DOT will also be working on signage, mm-hmm. um, signage that says things like use both lanes or use both lanes to merge point. And then as you get to the merge point, new signage that would say you know alternate mm-hmm. um, to really kind of give instructions and really for sort of kind of lack of you know a better term to give people permission. Mm. You know if you say if you if you've got a sign that says use both lanes, you've now given people permission. To use both those lanes and they can kind of point to that and say no i'm just following directions Mm -hmm. Um, so that that's going to be a big piece of it is how dot integrates this into their signage and their traffic control
1: and along the lines of the signage um i've seen other states they've done things where they will say you know lane closed ahead two miles and they won't tell you what lane is closed so this way it it prevents people from making those early moves and piling into one lane when they see a sign that says right lane closed. So they'll just get a heads yeah. up that a lane is closing, but you're not going to know which one <laughs> it is until like you can see it, you know.
2: <laughs> roll the roll the dice, pick left or right, right, <laughs> right door to the left door. Right, well, tiger and fre- in the lady.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Well, it could freeze people, you know, it's like you it'll freeze them in whatever lane they're in. They're like, "I'm in this lane, I'm going to I'm I'm betting on this one," right? Um is there any chance maybe uh, we could ban Tennessee drivers in the left lanes. Just, uh, just, uh, just, uh, you know, maybe uh, with the gut and amend uh, protocols at the General Assembly, we could, uh, we could throw in some rule there about Tennessee drivers banned from left lanes.
2: Well, you know, it's funny. I have gotten a tremendous amount of, of, of feedback and, and emails saying, "Hey, next thing we have to ban is, is uh, slow drivers in the left lane. Slow drivers in the left lane." Um, and, and I'm kind of like. You know, one step at a time, baby right. steps. Baby <laughs> well, I thought steps. they did yeah. something,
1: didn't it? Didn't the General Assembly look at something like that last year? I want to say, or two years ago? Maybe, we, maybe we, it went nowhere.
2: Well, we did, and and one of the things that um, one of the big challenges is enforceability. Mm-hmm. And so, so when I when I was drafting this bill, I worked with DOT, I worked with the Department of Public Safety and Highway Patrol. About you know not not only do we are we gonna can we do this but how do you then enforce it Uh, and that's one of the real challenges with slow in the left lane is how do you how do you enforce something especially if someone's going the speed limit in the Mm, left lane yeah so if I'm going 70 down down I 40 you know down there near Old Fort and there's somebody in the left lane going 70 but I want to go 80 you know it's it's hard to get uh, highway patrol to sort of clear the path so that you can speed.
1: <laughs> right. All right. Well, so, okay. How about this for enforceability? How about a ban on all Florida drivers? That would be easy to enforce, right? Just look for the tag. Florida license plate, yeah. you're banned. Just, I mean, you can't be too safe.
2: I agree. I agree. I see I see, I see a burgeoning black market for <laughs> fake North Carolina tags That's down awesome. there at uh, on I-26, right there before you cross the border. Um so you know, people up there with magnetic tags like James Bond or whatever. Right. Hit, the, hit, the, hit the button, I flip from
1: Florida to North Carolina. All right, more with Brian Turner in a minute. First, celebrate spring with a free box spring at Mattress Man Stores. You get a free box spring when you buy a mattress from the Biltmore Collection. Uh these are at Mattress Man, Mattressman Mattress Man is an exclusive retailer of the Biltmore collection, inspired by our very own local landmark here. They're made by Restonic. Uh, with an edge-to-edge sleep surface, maximum adjustability, and this means you get a more restorative, healthier sleep. And you can get a new mattress like right now, like literally right now. Synchrony Finance offers zero down zero interest for up to 72 months for qualified applicants. And I've heard stories for some of these um, other mattress companies where like, you order your mattress and then it takes months for the thing to arrive, that's not the case. Not the case with Mattress Man. Uh, They have got their inventory locally, and you can check it out. By the way, go to their website, mattressmanstores.com, check out the inventory. You can also, while you're there, click the financing link that's at the top. You apply, and you get pre-approved. Right now, they have tons of flexible financing options, so head on down to either their four local stores in Arden, in Asheville, or Hendersonville, uh, or uh you know go to the website five-star local delivery service nationwide shipping 120 day comfort guarantee you can't lose go to mattress man stores mattressmanstores.com buy local and sleep better so what have you encountered any kind of opposition i'm thinking the anti-destination league may be opposed to this what uh have there been any concerns raised
2: you know you would think that maybe the um the 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 uh the gas and 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 Petroleum distributors might be like, hey, wait a second. We like people sitting in traffic. <laughs> um, the the anti-clean air folks, hey, yeah. we enjoy all this extra uh, emissions. Uh, no, there hasn't really been any any opposition to it. Um, and, and that, you know, I, I kind of pointed to Minnesota and Nebraska, yeah. are two states that have really done it well um, and really launched good public, you know, awareness campaigns. Um, and it's one of those things that... You know, when I first when I first talked about the bill and committee, I kind of joked around a little bit about it. Um, but then but then I kind of really shifted gears because it it it's a it's actually a good policy change. Um, yeah. and, and so I'm trying I don't want you know, I don't want my, my folks in the Senate where it's sitting now to uh, to think it's a frivolous piece of legislation. And anyone who does, I encourage them to drive from Raleigh to Asheville on I-40 a couple of times. And uh, they might they might then see the, the genius of it.
1: Yeah, no. And, and, and we have fun with it because, I mean, everybody has opinions about traffic and such, uh, and everybody yeah. has been through these merges and uh, the frustration of it. But the zipper merges, it, I mean, it is backed up by like research and studies that show it's the quickest way to get everybody through um, and not that it's going to prevent any backup at all ever. It's just it's the quickest way. It's the most efficient way to get everybody through uh, in uh, as quick quickly um uh, uh, as they can um so it's well,
2: and I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll, i was gonna say when i this weekend when i saw that backup out in swananoa and it was about it was from the um uh the richard petty bridge out there kind of near ridgecrest yeah uh, and it was it was it was the uh, i-40 heading east and it was backed up all the way to like the swananoa exit i mean it was like a five mile backup i was like this is embarrassing mm-hmm. i mean yeah, this it- just shouldn't it's it's like we can do better than this so um,
1: and the, the, the impacts that it also has on the back end of that, right? So rather than if it's a five mile backup, and they're all in one lane, it could have been a two and a yep. half mile backup. Um, and that would have actually freed up space on the back end for cars that are trying to get off or get on the interstate back there that have no intention of getting down the road. Um, but because of the backup, now they're stuck too so uh, exactly yeah, yeah it just it makes a lot of sense so i applaud your effort here and i know we're having some fun with it but you also have merchandise um that's available pro zipper merge merchandise so this is unique i'm not sure i've ever uh i've ever heard of uh, uh uh merchandise being used to kind of promote a bill but um what gave you that idea
2: well we just we were just kind of looking for ways and, and austin high who's my my legislative assistant uh, was helping me with it. Uh, just looking for ways to elevate the profile of the bill um, and and try to you know get some get some public support behind it. Um, I've got a I've got a whole bunch of koozies that I that I ordered, which <laughs> I will be um, you know probably handing them out to select committee chairs. Uh, <laughs> but but the idea is sort of like you know how do we how do how do we bring this up to another level so that I mean when when I think of the several hundred bills that we passed over the last two weeks from the House to the Senate. And in that sort of tsunami of legislation, it's easy for things to get lost. Um, And I wanted to make sure this was not one of them.
1: So this is House Bill 740. It is uh, the zipper merge bill, and uh, it did pass right out of the House. It's over in the Senate side now. So that's good. Yes,
2: yes. And we're talking to the transportation chairs about hopefully getting a hearing for it.
1: All right. Let me ask you now also kind of transportation related, but uh, there was an article I saw last year in a magazine I've never heard of, Walter Magazine. I don't even remember how I came across this piece, but um, it talks about this. I guess it's a tradition now, and you are now one of the, uh, well, maybe not so new, the newest member of this tradition where uh, lawmakers, particularly from far away from Raleigh, uh, they go to the, y'all go to the North Carolina State Fairgrounds and you camp for uh i guess what do you go there like on a weekly basis and you or, or do you do you just like leave the camper there or whatever do you commute like what's the what's the protocol <laughs> what's the what's the scenario
2: so, so yeah so for for i guess I, I guess i started in 2019 was when i started doing it um because i'll take you i have tried just about every housing method that i could think of uh you know i i rented you know a room in a building like Alpha House, uh, <laughs> you know, with a bunch of other political folks. Um, I tried staying in hotels and, you know, really it sort of wanted to be able to have my own space, have a place where I could leave a couple of suits and a razor mm-hmm. and and just sort of, you know, be on my own. And so uh, Senator Brent Jackson said, hey, he's like, I park my RV at the campground at the state fair. And I was like, this is great. So got myself a travel trailer. Um, and so what I do is I pull down at the beginning of session, park it, um, and then leave it there until we're done with session, because sometimes it's like who knows when that's going to be.
1: Right. Yeah. That's and this is that's got to be a huge challenge in trying to secure uh, like an apartment like you're talking about like even with a bunch of roommates like because you don't need it the whole year you don't even need it the whole week right because the generally speaking you're not you're not doing a lot of legislative work on the weekends so. Yeah, how do you sign leases for that? And the cost, uh, like I, I'd imagine that the the legislative salary <laughs> doesn't pay yeah. a whole lot towards that housing cost. No, no,
2: and and then you you know you so you you know so that's why you end up typically like renting a room. You know, you might find like a like another um, uh, Wake County legislator or something like that who's got you know a guest house or an apartment garage, a garage apartment or something. But, you know, you end up in a room, and at one point, I was in a room with four other folks who worked in the political realm. Mm. Um, and so, uh, but it was, you know, but then it got into that situation of, all right, who, you know, who used up all the milk? <laughs> who, who drank all my, you know, right. who drank my beer? Well, who's leaving these dishes dishes in the sink? <laughs> um, and and so, I that's what I was like. I, I just got to get my own place. Yeah. I'm having um,
1: flashbacks from like all of the, the housemates I had back in college. That's uh, one the war, the worst we actually put dishes on his bed because he refused to do his own dishes. So we just put all of his dirty dishes on his bed one day. And uh, that, 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 that took care of it for a little while, <laughs> but, but, uh,
2: but we've got, we've got a good crew down there now we've got. Uh, so in the campsite right behind me, is uh, Representative Dudley Green, mm-hmm. who's the state rep from McDowell County, uh, uh, McDowell County, excuse me. Right. <laughs> uh, he's, he's the for, he's the former sheriff, um, and his his wife Allison is his LA, uh, and they bring their dog Zoe down, and sometimes I bring my dog Maple down, and so we kind of hang out and get along. Uh, I've got Representative Alan McNeil, who's kind of at the end of the row. Um, let's see, uh, Senator Warren Daniel, Representative Bobby Hannig. So it's a pre- we got a pretty good group going there. Um, and then, you know, typically on Tuesday evenings, I'll just kind of hang out in a camp chair, you know, have a cold beer um, after session and people come by and have a beer. Uh, there's a guy, Hayden, who's a former Air Force mechanic, who's getting his pilot's license, who lives at the end of the row. And he comes over with his dog, Dora, uh, Dory. I mean, it's just a great little community um, and, it's, and it's great, you know, fun. So it's, uh, it's definitely the best living situation I've had. In my four turns, right.
1: Well, and there's something different and special about doing even. If, yes, it's RV camping, car camping, whatever. But it's still there's something there's something special about that. I think that it, it's it's more bonding. I would imagine, right? You you develop different relationships with people, and I've said for years, politics is about relationships, and you're you're doing something that most lawmakers don't do. I I, I don't imagine.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean it's you know if you know you know Dudley Green is sitting out there with a the little electric weed eater you know kind of cutting the weeds <laughs> around his trailer and he's like hey Brian it's like if you need to borrow do you need to borrow the weed eater let me know and so you know then we start to talk about some other things and then you know all of a sudden you know he's signing on to the zipper merge bill right um so you know it's it's a way to especially you know because of the pandemic and things like that yeah um it, 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 we lost a lot of the ways that we would typically socialize outside the building and get to know one another. Um, but the campground's big and open, and so it gives us that opportunity again. And, um, you know, I've got, a, you know, today's today's Tuesday. Um, I've got a, a, a meeting with the Western Carolina Chancellor at 6 down in Raleigh. Um, but uh, after that, I'll be heading to the trailer and probably grabbing a beer with whoever comes by.
1: Yeah. Now it's a great point about the pandemic just hanging out outside so like you were able to do that uh for months and months while other people were stuck in some, you know, apartment in downtown. So yep. uh yeah, it's interesting. Uh well, thanks so much for your time. I do appreciate it. Is there anything else I should ask before I let you go that you think is important or interesting that you want folks to know?
2: Uh I you know what I would just say is if you do see somebody using that second lane on the highway, you know, show show some patience and and maybe follow their lead. <laughs> right.
1: Well, baby steps, baby steps. <laughs> All right. State Representative Brian Turner. Thanks so much for your time. I do appreciate it. Thanks, Pete. All right. So now maybe you are you know, planning to spend a lot of time in your RV or camping out of the legislative grounds. Uh, whatever the case may be, you're going to need some supplies. And that means you need to go visit my friend Tim at Old Grouch's Military Surplus because he's got tons of gear, accessories, It's real U.S. military surplus stuff, camp stoves, first aid kits. You got to have a first aid kit, backpacks as well. Um, All sorts of stuff that you need, gear that you need to outfit yourself, not just for the prep, right? Not just for prepping, but also obviously for any kind of outdoor adventuring, okay? Whether you're a camper or a hiker, uh, if you like to go fishing or hunting, you need this stuff. You work outside, you need the right gear, and you need it to be top quality, and that's what this stuff is, real U.S. military surplus. So it's American-made, High-quality stuff, durable. Go to Old Grouch's Military Surplus. He's on Main Street in downtown Clyde. The shop is open Monday through Saturday. Located across the street from the anti-aircraft gun. Ask him about that. It's a good story. And 24-7 at oldgrouch.com. If you've been listening to me for any amount of time, you've probably heard me preach about the zipper merge. I am, you know, I'm a big supporter. The zipper merge versus the early merge, right? Those are your options, So first off, and I I went over this earlier, but we always got to reinforce this. If traffic is moving at highway speeds and you don't have any backups, then yeah, move over whenever it's safe to do so. And that's fine. Okay, Um, the the. The early merge is fine when you have lots of uh, free space to move. When you have heavy traffic, then you do the zipper merge. Here are the benefits, as the science says, research shows that it reduces the differences in speeds between the two lanes, right? So instead of having the one jerk racing up the side, you've got both lanes now moving at about the same speed, which makes it very safer. It reduces the overall uh, length of the traffic backup by as much as 40 percent. It reduces the backups by 40 percent. See, if everybody does this, everybody gets through more quickly. It reduces congestion on freeway interchanges, and it creates a sense of fairness that all the lanes are moving at the same rate. Do you ever notice that? When you're stuck in this kind of traffic heavy traffic situation and one lane is crawling along and the next one's moving more quickly you get people that you know jump out they whip out and then they kind of make all these moves and that's the stuff that's actually most dangerous that prompts the road rage that prompts uh, or leads to accidents when most drivers see the 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 lane closed ahead right too often they slow down And they slow down too quickly and they move to the uh, to the lane that they know is going to be open based on the side uh, the sign, rather. And according to the Minnesota DOT, this driving behavior can lead to unexpected and dangerous lane switching, serious crashes, as well as road rage. Okay, so do us all a favor. Start implementing the zipper merge in your life. We'll all be better off for it. Now, um, Brian Turner also kind of got the ball rolling earlier uh, in the legislative session a couple of days ago when um, there was a vote that was held, and he apparently wasn't paying attention <laughs> when the vote started, uh, and so he wasn't really clear, I guess, on what he was voting on. Well, here, take a listen.
2: What well, purpose the gentleman from Buncombe, Representative Turner, rise. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. On that last vote, I was conferencing with my seat mate and erroneously voted yes. Could I be recorded as no on 712, please? The gentleman will be
3: recorded as having voted no on House Bill 712. For what purpose, the lady from Wake, Representative Adcock Rice.
0: Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I was conferencing with my seatmate and voted yes on that bill and meant <laughs> to vote no and would appreciate having my vote changed.
3: The right, lady be recorded as having voted no. Uh, for what purpose does the lady from Mecklenburg, Representative Belkrise?
0: Yes, I was eavesdropping on them, and so <laughs> I accidentally voted yes instead of no. Well,
3: the lady records having voted no on House Bill uh, uh, 712. Uh, for what purpose, the uh, gentleman from Cumberland, Representative Lucas, rise. Mr. Speaker, I was conferencing with myself. Change <laughs> <laughs> that to no, please. 712. you got to stop this conferencing. This is a... Gentleman, be recorded as having voted no on House, House Bill 712. For what purpose Representative Reeves rise? I really wasn't talking to anybody, but I need to change the vote, though. <laughs> gentlemen be recorded as having voted just no on 712 as well? Yes, Mr. Speaker. Representative Quick, is that the same request from the gentleman? Yes, sir. I was watching Representative Lucas' conference with himself, and I was trying to figure out what he was doing. Uh-huh. Representative Pierce, I assume it's the same thing. Representative Pierce will be counted as a no on House Bill 712. Representative Jones, is that the same from the gentleman as well? Same thing, I want to switch from
1: uh, yes to no.
3: On House Bill 712, correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. The gentleman will be recorded as having voted a no on 712. And Representative Altry would the gentleman also like to be recorded as a no on 712? Well, uh, Mr. Speaker, I was conferencing with no one, and I voted no,
0: and I don't want to change my vote. All
3: right. Very good. Very good. <laughs> for what purpose, John from Union, Representative Willis-Rise. We'd like to invite our uh, colleagues from the other side to vote yes more often. Thank you.
1: Okay. All right. By the way, for the record, House Bill 712 was titled, An Act to Prohibit Using Subjective Standards in Conditional Use Permitting by Local Governments for Developments with Affordable Housing Units. Also for the record... Conferencing with your seatmate or anybody for that matter just means you're talking and not paying attention. That's all that that means. Uh, but anyway, so a moment of levity and good humor and camaraderie. I thought it was uh, important to bring that to you because so often uh, we just kind of focus on the politics and a lot of and the disagreements and the debates and such. And so there are a lot of moments like that in the General Assembly. So I try to find them where I can and bring them to you. And that's uh, that was actually a particularly good one. Um, here's some particularly good news. North Carolina ranks number five in economic outlook. According to um, the Laffer rankings, these are put together by Alec. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Alec is the American Legislative Exchange Council. And every year they put together uh, state ranking, state economic outlook, and then they rank all of the states. And uh, for this latest one that they just issued, published on May 12th, 2021, um, they rank North Carolina as number five in the country uh, for economic outlook. And they they base these rankings on 15 policy variables like corporate tax rates, tax burden, minimum wage levels. North Carolina's average economic performance ranking for the past decade, so from 09 2009 to 2019, was number 14, 14th in America in economic outlook. That's been our uh, our average, according to uh, the Carolina's partner, Carolina Partnership for Reform. Sorry. Yeah, the Carolina Partnership for Reform North Carolina and dot uh, org. Uh, their website is CPRNC dot org. And um, they are crediting the General Assembly, the Republicans, the conservative leadership that the General Assembly uh, has had since essentially 2011. They won in 2010 in the election. Right. They they uh, they took control of the General Assembly in 2010. Uh, and then they um they began implementing tax reforms a couple of years later. I want to say 2013. I think was the first year that the tax reforms took hold. Because you know you win in 2010, but that's November 2010. So you don't actually do anything until 2011, and then you're passing budgets for the following years. You know, so the first thing they did when they got in, you know, the, the the fiscal house was a wreck. It it just was. A mess because of uh, decades of mismanagement, poor fiscal policy, and antiquated tax system. Democrats, I remember, I did interview, uh, interviews with Democratic lawmakers uh, back in like the two thousand, the aughts, I guess, the two thousands, and they would talk about how we need to modernize the tax code, but they could never just seem to do it. Um, and, and I think that has to do with sort of a core difference in uh philosophy when it comes to budgeting which is and you're going to hear a little bit of it because the republicans came out with their uh tax cut proposal for the next few years going forward and they are they have a different philosophy It's, it's just a different philosophy uh whereas democrats tend to see a penny spend a penny and this is why you hear them frame their arguments in terms of money lost to the treasury right? Uh, A great example of this is education, right? They look at vouchers as siphoning money away from government as if it's government's rightful property in the first place, right? As if the money should be going there automatically by default. It's just a different way to think of uh, budgeting and to think of taxation. Republicans, they see surpluses as in indicative of uh, bad policy that means you took too much money from people and it's not yours you didn't need it you you set a budget you got more than you thought so okay well we got too much here here take it back and Democrats don't see it like that they see the surplus and they're like we need to spend it because there's always investments right there are always investments to be made always always speaking of investments if you do not want to have, uh, to drop a whole bunch of money on you know a big piece of machinery or equipment for like a job that you got to do once the classic example for me is like a tiller or a backhoe like i'm not going to go rent a tiller or uh, buy a tiller i'm going to rent a tiller right i'm going to i'm going to rent one because if i want to plant a garden i don't need the tiller all the time i just need it for one day Right? One day, till up the soil and bring it back. That's what general equipment rental is all about. Okay? They have the tools, they've got the heavy equipment, they've got smaller uh, tools as well. You rent it, you use it, you get the job done right and quickly, and then you bring it back to them. And you don't have to sink all this money into a piece of equipment you're only going to use like once. Right? This is, uh, they do a lot of business with uh, general contractors. This is a lifesaver for general contractors. You don't need to buy all of the heavy machinery. Just rent it. General Equipment Rental, they are also your official licensed Husqvarna and Honda outdoor power equipment sales and service provider. And so they've got all of the outdoor yard tools that you're going to need to do battle with the wildlife and fauna. You know, uh, They've got chainsaws and trimmers and hedge clippers and mowers and blowers, gas and battery powered. Go down to the store there in Weaverville. They're at the intersection of Merriman Avenue and Reams Creek Road. Family owned and operated for three generations. They know their stuff. They know these tools and they can help you pick the right one for you and for the size property and for the size job uh, that you need it for. General Equipment Rental, the website generalrents.com check out the inventory, any of the deals they're running, generalrents.com, general equipment rental in Weaverville. Think outside your toolbox. So the North Carolina State Senate has uh, now unveiled its proposal for more tax reforms. This thing is already moving through uh, the various committees. Senator Paul Newton held a press conference along with uh, several of his Republican colleagues in the Senate. And uh, they said that the last decade of Republican reforms have prompted a lot of growth in North Carolina as well as budget surpluses.
0: Eight years ago, the Republican led General Assembly overhauled the state's tax systems. We've moved the effective personal income tax rate from a high of more than 8% to down to today's 5.25%. We've increased the zero bracket, those paying no income tax in the state of North Carolina from $6,000 per year to $21,500 per year. North Carolina's low taxes, low cost of living, and the sheer beauty of the state have led families to move here from all over the country. And our pro-business policies move North Carolina from among the worst business rankings in the country to the top 10. The results of those policies are, are clear. People and businesses are moving here in droves. The largest company in the world just announced a new campus, its first new campus in years, right here in North Carolina. Responsible governance also means we've come out of the pandemic recession far better off than most states. We have large cash reserves and we have yet another budget surplus, the sixth in seven
1: years. So this is Senator Paul Newton. He then outlines the Republican philosophy that when a government takes too much money from its citizens and ends up with a surplus, it should return that money to the people from whom it came.
0: We are proposing yet another tax cut because we believe people spend their money better than government does. First, I'll go over the proposed tax cuts to the personal income tax. We propose reducing the personal income tax rate from 5.25% today to 4.99% and increasing the zero tax bracket from $21,500 to $25,500. We also propose increasing the child tax deduction across the board by $500. That deduction is income-based, so a family earning less than $40,000 per year would receive a $3,000 deduction per child, and the amount decreases higher up the income chain, until it reaches zero for a family earning more than one hundred and forty thousand dollars.
1: All right. So I know numbers are generally not a good idea to do on radio or podcasting because people, you know, it, it's numbers are better visually, especially when you start doing large numbers. So uh, let me go to the uh, the Republican press release here because they've got some I think helpful breakdowns. So again, the proposal takes a it has got a flat income tax rate, so everybody pays the same rate, and it goes from five and a quarter down to 4.99, so just under 5. The standard deduction goes from 21.5 to 25.5, so an increase of $4,000 in the standard deduction, which most people take, uh, which means that that first $25,500 of income is is tax-free, okay? It also increases the child tax deduction, as he said. Um, The result here is that a family of four who makes less than $40,000 a year is going to pay no income tax on the first $31,500 of earnings. So essentially, what, $8,500 of earnings, you would be taxed at the state level, and you would be taxed at a rate of 4.99%. That's very, very low. So here's an example. Um, right now, if you got a family of four, they make 38000 right now they pay $600 roughly, a little bit more in income tax. Under the new proposal, they would pay half that, about three fifty-five, uh, three thirty-five rather, three thirty-five. Um, so that's a total tax cut of forty-seven, sorry, forty-six percent. Uh, the other example they offer is median household of fifty-four thousand six hundred dollars, so almost fifty-five k. Right now, their income tax is fifteen hundred bucks. They would now see an income tax of twelve hundred, so a three hundred dollar reduction, total cut of twenty one percent. Now, let's say you've got a family of four earning two hundred k, two hundred eighteen k. Okay, that means they're paying right now ten thousand plus in income taxes. That would drop to ninety six hundred, so that's only like a seven percent cut. Okay, so the proposal disproportionately benefits low income earners. Opponents of tax cuts
0: usually try to paint every proposal, regardless of the details, as some sort of tax giveaway to the rich. Uh, As you can see from these examples, that claim would be a false narrative under this plan. The big winners from these tax changes are those near the bottom of the income scale. This plan disproportionately helps those in lower income tax brackets. Those earning less than $50,000 per year will comprise an even smaller share, a smaller share of the state's tax collection, so 8.8% as opposed to the 10% today. And those earning more than $200,000 will comprise an even larger share of the tax burden, 44% compared to today's 43.4%.
1: Senator Newton also says that the personal income tax cut is the the largest part of their proposal. Uh, Again,
0: that's not the government's money. That's money that North Carolinians earned and that they will keep, which, by the way, makes it the very best stimulus in the world. I mean, when when a North Carolinian can keep his or her own money and spend it as they see fit, that's a much more efficient way to stimulate our economy than having multiple tax dollars go to our federal government Uh, lose value in the waste heat of the government bureaucracy only for a portion, a fraction of those dollars to be returned to taxpayers with borrowed money. That's not a sustainable stimulus, but allowing North Carolinians to keep their own money is the best form of stimulus our economy could have.
1: All right. However, the tax cut proposal also has tax cuts and grants for business. Um here is w r a l s write up quote the bill also would give grants of up to eighteen thousand seven hundred fifty dollars to businesses that received assistance during the pandemic from the covid nineteen job retention program, an economic injury disaster loan, the paycheck protection program, the restaurant revitalization fund, or the shuttered venue operators grant program okay so if Any businesses took advantage of those programs, Uh, you were already screened as a qualifier, right? So, like, they already know that, yes, you could qualify for these loans. And the state is automatically going to cut those checks to businesses of $18,750. That's a grant, by the way. This grant is expected to benefit uh, somewhere between 300,000 and 400,000 North Carolina businesses. So... If
0: you, as a business, a small business in North Carolina, qualified for any of those grants or loans, you will be automatically qualified in the grant program that I'm describing here today. So, the goal of this program is to provide additional assistance to businesses that were affected by the pandemic-induced shutdowns and recession. The businesses that are eligible are those already that have already received pandemic assistance, and that means they've already dis- demonstrated that they were distressed most businesses will automatically receive a check in the mail by october 1st and finally we're proposing to gradually phase out the corporate income tax
1: yeah Yeah. outrage ensues the legislature brought
0: north carolina corporate (laughs) income tax from one of the highest in the country to the lowest and that's excluding just the state. The states with a 0% corporate income tax. We have the lowest corporate tax of those who tax corporations. And the result has been a jobs boom. There's a reason major companies are moving to North Carolina but, and favorable business climate involves a host of factors. The tax structure is at the top of those factors. We propose to reduce the corporate income tax rate by 0.5% per year beginning in 2024 until it reaches 0%, which would be 2028.
1: 0%, that's what they wanna get to by 2028, so seven years from now, they want a corporate tax income uh, of 0%, uh, rate of 0%. And expect a lot of blowback on this, okay? You should expect it because it is an easy shot to take. They're trying to give tax cuts to the corporations. Right, it just it just sounds bad. <laughs> it sounds evil. Meanwhile, personal income tax rates, like ours, are going to be dropping too. Um, but the corporate taxes, they're going to go to zero, and we're still going to be at four point nine nine percent. what do they get to play zero? Okay, because businesses don't pay taxes; customers do. Okay, so. When you have corporations that are able to then, and that's all size corporations, like, you know, limited liability corporations, for example, when you are at that level, you are now able to invest way more in the business and you are able to hire people, right, more money into the economy. That's the concept, that's the philosophy. And I know that that is different, uh, a different philosophy than Democrats tend to have. I recognize that. But this is the philosophy that the majority party has. I tend to share it. And so, uh, I'm very excited about it. I'm also excited about getting into the new home that Rowena Patton helped us buy. Rowena Patton and her all, uh, all-star all powerhouse team, uh, they helped us pick a build-to-suit. So we were thinking about doing a spec build, custom build, whatever— and the more we looked at it, and we started researching, and then Rowena was like, hey, look, I've already crunched a lot of these numbers, so what you should expect, go check out the blog that we did on this. And uh, it breaks down all of the costs. And when we're looking at that, we're looking at places, like where you got to buy the land, and you got to worry about internet and utilities and all this. It's like, you know what, we kind of want to build, but we don't want to build from scratch. And so we found build to suit, which we didn't even know some of the questions that we should be asking. Rowena did, and she told us to ask them. And so we got a better deal. We got uh, we're, we're very happy with the, the way it's coming along and we hope to be in soon. So uh, put her to work for you buying or selling. She outsells 99 percent of the realtors in the state of North Carolina as well. She's the only agent we called to buy or sell a house. And you should as well. Here's her number. 828-333-4483. That's 828-333-4483, mountainhomehunt.com. Give her a call and then start packing. So at a press conference where they unveiled their tax proposal, tax cut proposal, Senator Paul Newton noted that the personal income tax reduction is going to total about a billion dollars per year. So over a budget, $2 year it's 2000000000 dollars right? The corporate reduction The corporate income tax reduction is about 500 million in each year. So that's the difference. So the corporate tax uh, rate reduction is 500 million. It's a billion for people, for the personal. He said the state collects about a billion dollars total from the income tax for corporations.
0: And opponents of any tax cut like to falsely allege that we've somehow shortchanged education investments in favor of tax cuts. Let's be clear. Republicans have increased state-funded per-pupil spending by 39% over the past 10 years, and we expect that trend to continue. Responsible, responsible budgeting means we're not wasteful, and we leave room for important priorities like education. It's not an either-or proposition. We've cut taxes for the last 10 years, 8 to 10 years, while simultaneously investing record amounts in our education system and this proposal is no different.
1: So this prompted a question on the timing.
2: If it's not that much money to reduce it, why not just go ahead and start it with the next fiscal, with the next uh, tax year? Or is this, or is this some kind of strategy to try to win over uh, Governor Governor Cooper on this by saying we're not going to do it for at least you know two or three years?
0: No, I think any time you're Reducing, at least on its face, you're reducing uh, state revenues. In our central staff, cannot project growth, even though empirically we can prove it's happened every time we've got taxes. So revenues uh, more than make up for the reduction in, in tax revenue, you um, uh, know, collections more than make up for for the tax revenue lost through tax deductions or reductions. I'm sorry. Um, We did that here. I mean, we looked at the numbers. We want to make sure we have plenty of headroom for good things like uh, education excellence. Uh, We're not going to sacrifice those things that a good state government needs to do. But in order, as you know, for uh, taxpayers to come out ahead, our state to come out ahead, you've got to balance fiscal uh, constraint uh, with revenue growth. And so we've just tried to do that, uh, you know, in this cut at the tax package and uh, I suspect with, between negotiations, we hope there will be negotiations with the governor and with the House uh, that we'll continue to keep the essence of this package, but we're certainly willing to move things around and the sooner the better on, on tax
1: cuts. Newton also made a point to note that this plan is not a response to all of the money that the federal government has been sending to the states as part of the COVID relief or stimulus.
0: These tax cuts have nothing to do with the federal stimulus money. We have been studying, anticipating, expecting tax cuts based on North Carolina revenues being higher than projected. So let's be crystal clear about that. And um, you know, is there the optimal amount of reserves, if you assume, so the nirvana would be, you know exactly what state government needs to deliver to its citizens, you know exactly what that costs, and you don't collect revenue uh, in excess of that, that way taxpayers are paying what they need to pay, not more than they need to pay for proper government. That's, you know, you, that's an imperfect science, right? You do your, the best you can. So we project uh, revenue surpluses even after the tax cut. As far as the eye can see on um, basic basic uh, assumptions around 35 to 4% growth uh, in revenue in the state. So we're fine. We're fine. And, you know, hopefully we'd be back up here three or four years from now, picking a number, uh, giving you another tax cut package.
1: All right. And I think this is an important point that Senator Newton raises, this imperfect science of budgeting. And because I believe he's correct. And this is what the Republicans did when they first took over, you know, a decade ago and they started implementing their tax policy and. Uh, the former state Senator Bob Rucho from mecklenburg uh, he was you know trying to get the state down to zero percent on the income tax for corporations that 's where he wanted to get to and it 's again it 's a philosophy that you give these businesses the opportunity to keep their own profits and then they uh, reinvest in their businesses they hire more people they 're more successful, and that ends up uh, generating more revenue for uh, the government and this has been the goal, but they didn't do it all at once. They 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 did a little bit at a time, a quarter percentage point reduction year to year to year to make sure that uh, that the revenues still are maintaining, right? You do a little bit gradually so you can make adjustments accordingly. That's a wrap for the episode. I appreciate you listening. Remember, subscribe at thepcalendorshow.com. Talk with you later. Don't break anything while I'm gone.